guys, I'm at this beautiful park that Mongezi has brought me in Randburg because I am testing something new. It's called Walk and Talk Podcast. Walk and Talk Podcast is just, well, exactly what the name says. We walk and we podcast. Doing it on a remote wireless microphone called the Ruder Wireless Go To, which I will put some links in the podcast so you can have a look at how this technology works. But it's simply wireless tech that records audio wirelessly to my Zoom microphone. Anyway, enough tech talk. We are doing tech comedy live. Welcome to the podcast, Mongezi. Thanks, Vijay. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been started talking about this it's and saying we'll do it. You don't like walking much. I'm not I, a walking guy. I'm not a walking guy, I know. And people often, often invite me to hikes and they say on top of the hike, we can find gold. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you keep the gold for yourself, I'm yeah, gonna stay right yeah. here. You're, yeah. going to, you're going to just try the walking. That's it, that's, that's my thing. <laughs> so that's why we're here because Tech Comedy Life has always been about experimenting with ways people communicate. Experimenting with technology, I've been experimenting with different podcast technologies, podcast platforms, different audio, and today we're testing it by walking and seeing how this looks. Yeah. And well, not how it looks per se, it's a podcast. You're gonna hear when you when you do listen to it. So anyway, Mongezi, how do we innovatively, uniquely find ways for humans to create content? Mm-hmm connect with one another yeah. and expand our voice. Exactly, okay? yes. That's, well, that's what it is. We want to expand our ways of communicating with others. Yes. So you tell me, in the last sort of year or so of doing Lead Creative, what's the one thing that has really stood out for you that I would say, that says, wow, this is what people should be doing to expand their voice? The biggest thing has been to learn from others and learn from how other people are doing things and approach creativity or approach expressing their creativity because we are all creative in one way or another it's just the platforms we use to express that creativity and the one i think biggest takeaway from this year and the current season of the lead creator for me has been how other people find that voice, express it, and the inspiration that they find in order to express that voice. So that's been, I think for me, that has been one of the big things, yeah. Is there an example you can give me that it's really changed your view about how people are expanding their voice? So there's, I spoke to, I spoke to a couple of people, yeah, but one of the people I spoke to is, yeah, there there are many examples, but I think one of the examples to to bring out of this season is is a conversation I had with Nontanta Lamini, who is a content creator creating content for mainstream TV. And there's this, there's this notion that's commonly held and it's true in some, in some ways, it's not untrue. There's this notion that's commonly held in tech spaces that mainstream media is dying. Mainstream media is becoming less and less relevant. And yet she creates content for mainstream media platforms, successful content on, um, on you know, for broadcast TV um, particularly. So one of the things that came out of the conversation is how she does research for some of the content that she creates. 
And she says, for whatever kind of content she creates, she talks to the consumer of that content. Of course, that's easy. It's simple enough. It's market research, right? But it's market research sometimes to the unheard and unseen, where she, for one of the programs or one of the pieces of content, she spoke to her grandmother a lot while creating that piece of content um, because that's the kind of audience that would watch that kind of content on mainstream, um, on a mainstream TV channel. And the same person went on to create content for Netflix that is a reality show where they engage with some of Africa's well-known celebrities in various fields. And that, surprisingly to them, appealed to a US and international audience and not just the African Netflix audience. So I think for me, it's really how we use some of the platforms available to us and some of the conversations available to us to do market research and understand our audience. Talking about platforms, you haven't told us what park we're at. This is the Golden Harvest. I like it because of course there's this lake here and you can do a little bit of running around here. And I sometimes like to come here in spring as it is now when the flowers are starting to bloom and do some macro shots of flowers, insects, and sometimes even birds. There's, there's a very vibrant, you know, birding or, or bird life that's here in this park that is much better than what you could do in your garden. Like for instance, that bird sitting on that branch over there, that's a, that, would have, that would have been a really great shot if I had a good lens and I had my camera. So we are at, just to repeat, at the Golden Harvest Park. Yeah, Golden Randburg. Harvest Park in Randburg, North Riding Side, yeah. And that's something else you mentioned. You're an avid photographer. You've been taking a lot of pictures <laughs> of birds and animals and flowers. Yeah. Is that something you always wanted to get into or is that just something you stumbled upon? I think photography for me was and continues to be a bit of a hobby, like a, a thing that I have an interest in because I like gadgets and technology so I then just you know one day got myself a camera because I wanted to take photos of things and one of the things that I began taking photos of quite a bit was landscapes and and travel because that's one of my interests and my camera is a good excuse to convince my family that I really need an expensive camera because I need to take really good pictures of the places I travel to. Guys, I just need to mention, I told Mongesi to start small with his photography. This guy took it literally and started taking pictures of insects. That's not what I meant by start small. That's what you should have meant. Cool. <laughs> start as small as I can. Yeah, okay, the insects, okay, there you exactly. go. Exactly. Macro photography. Yeah. But uh, yes, I know you actually have great interest. There's so much of beautiful things to see in South Africa, so much of beautiful people to meet, foods, foods to experience. Yeah. That's actually something that I really enjoyed is every time you go to different parts of the country, you can enjoy the different cultures by exploring the food. Absolutely. So is there a place in South Africa that you've been to mm -hmm. where you stumbled upon and realized, my God, I didn't realize they made food this way. Is there a place that you can recall in this country? 
there are quite a few and quite a few for various reasons and not so much and not so much for how they make food but I think the surprising foods that I got at those places and one is a restaurant that that specializes in eggs for instance right? just eggs yeah just eggs like they 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 their their specialty is making breakfast all day and their primary ingredients of choice ingredient of choice is eggs right so so that for me is was was it was fascinating to find that place first of all because i'm one of those pe people who can have um breakfast all day and this place does exactly that a kind of breakfast all day type of place. I think that's one of the spaces. And then there's a place in KZN that we visited. And the the, the, the thing there is, it, it's a holistic experience. It's, the experience it's, a, it's an experience or an interaction with history. Um, some of South Africa's difficult and complex history being told by a local in a way that only a local Zulu man can tell that story of that part of the, I guess, the, the, the Zulu Anglo wars that took place. So that was one part of it. But the other part was the food. Hence I'm saying it was a holistic experience. The other part was the food. And one of the things I remember distinctly about this place, or two of the things I remember distinctly about this place was they have freshly, fresh homemade bread that they served for lunch this one time and it was still warm and one of these um one of the butternut soups that they had and it wasn't so much how great the butternut soup was because it was it was also that they made their own version of um, a chili sauce that you could add into this butternut soup and butternut soup with chili at that particular place with that cream infusion made made the soup and the bread something to remember. Goodness, Mongese is making me hungry even though we just ate before this chat, <laughs> but it's still making me hungry. How is this possible? Goodness. I just want to say, there is a body of water in this. Is this like a lake or is it a dam? What's the difference? I don't know. A lake is, I suppose, natural. A dam is man-made. Yeah, I think this one is naturally man-made. Okay, naturally yeah. man-made. There we go. Yeah. That, that's how you can answer a question in a double negative. Why is Mongese done in politics, stone knows. <laughs> uh, but it's quite beautiful, actually. Uh, I see people, I think, are fishing or either searching for a dead body. We are not sure. Yeah, I think they are fishing. Okay. Uh, I think they are fishing. I think, I don't know if this is a catch and release. Um, naturally man-made body of water mm -hmm. or it's one where you can catch and bry or eat but i see a lot of quite a few people fishing here so then so it wasn't a dead body that they're searching for no absolutely not okay, okay. just making sure just making I sure it. i think i think the team would be much bigger okay and they'd be in orange overalls orange and, overalls yes and they'd be they'd be more professional looking oh if you could have heard that um, some i think beautiful cranes just flew yeah, by yeah it's uh it's it's Egyptian geese. Egyptian geese. You see these immigrants, they just come here, take <laughs> our land, these Egyptians, eh? The Egyptian geese. Where's the South African geese at? They don't get the opportunity that Egyptian you geese are getting. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Eh? My goodness. 
this is what I'm talking about. Oh, by the way, talking about that, yeah, and how people are talking about immigration and things like that. This is tech comedy life. It's supposed to be about how people are connecting with one another. Absolutely. I need to ask you. This is a serious question. Yeah. Why are people so divided about their own identities in their country when they should be national? Why is it people are so hell bent on seeing it fail when they live here? That's a that's a complex conversation. That's a complex one because one of the things is in as much sometimes failure and success are relative relative to what you believe to be the failure or success of a community or country. And we very a lot of the time we stand divided on what that is as 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 a people a lot of the time depending on um political and socio-economic standpoints that said you definitely want the majority of people in a country or the world to to be successful to feel successful to feel included so this idea of people wanting a nation a country a part of the world to quote unquote fail is once again somewhat relative but 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 it's also a lot of the time political and selfish like it's what serves me and my needs not what serves the majority and the country and the world in fact you tweeted out once i know this because people were blaming that the facebook algorithms the twitter algorithms were dividing people yeah because they were choosing to see certain bad news mm. so the algorithms will double down on that and give you more bad news because yes. that's what you want to see and people are complaining that the algorithms are the reason that people are getting divided sure. but you made a very poignant tweet and said well if you choose to see bad things of course you're going to see bad things if you don't want to see it switch it off yeah or change what you're seeing so the algorithm algorithms can be suited to your needs if yeah. you see lots of art you're going to see lots of art sure if you choose to see lots of comedians doing comedy about egyptian geese yeah you're going to see a lot more posts about egyptian geese yeah that's the whole point yeah, so people think, are blaming mm. in my opinion blaming everything else because they think that the problems are external yes like it's everyone else's fault yeah. like you got the young people blaming apartheid for everything and the older folks uh, the more conservative folks of africa blaming everything for for the local government and everything that's anc everything that's current yeah so it's everyone's fault It's a I think it's a combination of things. I mean, you've you you've said a lot, right? So, it's a combination of things. The one is that yes, if there's a if there's a if there's an accident on the side of the road, the car slowed down to watch. Right? So, so so I'll use that as a bit of an analogy to say that sometimes when bad things have happened in the world, we we tend to follow news around that and the algorithms feed us more of that right um agreed however algorithms are man algorithms are human made yes and because they're human made we need to be more responsible as humans and not feed the world more of the bad which leads to more of itself i have a theory with all this bad news 
and all the stuff that we're seeing, I think people like to be miserable. People like miser being miserable because being miserable is addictive. It's a, a sense of emotion that feeds in on itself that somehow sustains you, sustains your anger. It reinforces all your bias. It reinforces all the problems because it tells you, it keeps telling you, you see, the world is the issue. The world is the problem. The problem is your neighbor. The problem is your spouse. The problem is your dog. Uh, it's the other countries, other people who live in the same country as you. Problem is not you. You are perfect. Everything's okay. It's everyone else's problem. And that's the issue right now, is that we need a message. Mm. We need ways to communicate with people without actually cornering them. Because if you just corner people and say, hey man, you're being negative, all they do is double down. So is there a unique way to communicate? I'm talking tech comedy style. Communicate with people that embraces everyone together to say, this is the issue, but you are part of the solution, not the problem. Mm -hmm. How would you go about it? So, so, so I think firstly, I want to, yeah, firstly, I, I think I, I don't agree with you that people like misery, right? Because people are addicted to misery. That's, um, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think so. So I think if you, if you assume that people are addicted to something like something or want to see more of it, you create more of it for them or you show them more of it. And because you show them more of it, as they see more of it, you assume you use that data to come to the assumption that people want to see more of this. But actually, if you showed people more good and people doing more good, then people would want to see more good and the data will tell you that people want to see more good, right? So, so the problem has, or the challenge has always been that the news or at least the news and how we've come to consume the news or the news has come to being, to be served to us has been that 90% of news on TV or whatever platform, 90% of it is bad. Then the 10% is good or the 5% is good. And the 5% is, oh, by the way, someone helped the blind dog cross the street in some obscure town somewhere. Let's all clap hands. But actually they've just given you 95% of the bad. And the reason we are, I think, not addicted so much to it, the reason we are glued to the bad is because we all have this, this instinct to survive. So you want to know that there were floods in Durban so that you save your family or don't go to Durban. You want to know that um, kids are starving somewhere and perhaps you could contribute to them getting better or to the betterment of that. I feel like people, as people, we probably follow misery so that we can make a change or so that we can also feel that perhaps my situation isn't as bad as the person whom I think is in a worse situation, perhaps help them. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like as, a, as a people, you realize when bad things happen that we put aside background, we put aside race, we put aside everything that is meant to divide us and we roll up our sleeves and help. That's when you realize. I'll tell you why I'm looking at the misery side of things from sure. an addiction perspective. Yeah. We, we consume 
yeah. a lot of information, sure. especially today. The yeah. social media, the technology, there is too much noise. Sure. Too much noise. There Absolutely. is so much stuff, it is actually overwhelming. Yeah. And the only way to pick out data that will make sense to us, so that we can see the news and consume it in bit by bit, yeah. is that we go towards the bad news first because that's the easiest and fastest to consume. In order to actually consume good news, we have to look at the context of it, we have to look at the background of things, we have to, to go deep into it and understand why yeah. things happen and then you like form a bigger picture and you're like, ah, that's why it happened. No one has time for that. Because by the time you analyze it, there's two more information of two other things that's happened that you want to consume that's also takes your attention away. A lot of this attention is coming from attention-based economy. Yeah. Right? So so that's where so so for me that's why I don't agree. That's why I don't agree. My my position is that newsmakers, the creators of news, the people who report on news, the, the platforms that give us news have made the assumption for the longest time about humans that we want to consume all the bad stuff. And as a result, 90% of what's fed to you across mainstream, social, and other platforms is the bad stuff by the people who, by the platforms that create the news. And because so much of it is bad, so 90% of it is bad, it's very likely that 70% of your network, the people connected to you will be sharing the bad stuff because that's what's available out there. And as a result, you will get that fed to you. Not that it's, so, so it's almost like if there's 90% of bad stuff that's reported to you, you have to seek out the 10%. You have so to that, seek it out. That's yes. the thing, right? So, so imagine if things were turned around and you had to seek out the bad news. Because actually, there's a lot more good than bad in the world. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Then my question is, why is it, that, first of all, the assumption is being made by news people yeah. that you know, bad news is what we want to consume first. Sure because it's easier to consume. Yeah. It's what grabs our attention first. Yeah. You gave the analogy of uh, accident on the side of the road yes. and we slowed down to watch it, yes. right? When something good happens, because it's so normal and natural, we ignore it. Because yes, someone crossed the road safely. That's not news. Mm. But if someone gets smashed by a car while crossing the road, now that's news. Yeah, but then, but then, but then a kid crosses the road on a busy highway and a motorist who's a stranger to that kid stops to run across the highway to save that kid. That story, if that story is reported on, it's amplified a lot more than the accident that happened on the side of the road. Yes. Yeah. So sometimes I do see that, which is good news in my opinion, that people are seeing that there's humanity in the world. Absolutely. But what you're saying is, your disagreement is that people are choosing to see bad news because bad news is available to them more easily. And they're not doing the hard work to seek out the good news. Yes. So, so, so in, as, in as much as we are doing the hard work to seek out the good news, there's so little of it out there because most of what's being shared as news is the bad stuff. So we actually have to seek out the good things that are happening. But in actual fact, for the fact that we are alive in the world, living harmoniously together, being able to help each other um, whenever we meet, says there's a lot more good 
in the world than the bad that's reported. But because the bad is reported, but because the bad is reported, amplified, shared, available, then it looks like there's, that's all there is. But actually, that is deliberate. Correct, correct. It makes more money, it, it, all the clicks. So people always say, if you want more clicks and make more money with content, make it as bad and controversial as possible. We've seen it all the time. They even teach this in journalism. journalism. Yeah. They teach that in content creation classes where they say, if you make it about uh, reasons why you die instead of reasons why you live, people yeah. are going to click on reasons why you die. So, 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 so you had another question and I think, I think I want to go back to that question with this statement, right? So one of the questions you asked is how do you create a voice and amplify that voice in society today? So it's precisely to that point that if you make it bad, people will get glued to it or follow it. But actually, once again, it's not always true. What we are also learning from content creation and from, from learning about content creation and doing the kinds of content that we are doing, like this conversation, is that people actually organize, and organize themselves into smaller niche communities because they are looking for specific things. They are looking for a certain kind of good news. They are looking for, you know, they're looking for news about people who are saving animals. They're looking for news about people who are saving children. They're looking for news about communities that are helping disenfranchised kids from disenfranchised communities to become great content creators and make a living for themselves. We are all looking for these communities and one way to create a voice is to find a community to organize around and once you've organized around this community, amplify that message. So, because people are looking for, 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 for certain kinds of, of good news, actually there's, um, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's the good news guy, for instance, right? Um, and, and they share good news and people follow that platform for the good news. There's tech comedy life and people follow that because they want to find out how other people are making a difference using technology and comedy and changing their lives for the better as a result, right? So, so we are all looking for these things, but because you run, you do Tech Comedy Life, I do the lead, I, you know, produce the lead creative. Um, the good news guy is doing his thing over there and somebody else is doing his thing over there. It looks like we're all siloed, but actually we're all organizing people behind some form of good. Yes. It's just that we don't have the, we don't have the budgets or the, 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 the clouds of a news platform that has advertising and everything behind it. That makes money from negativity. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think there's a lot, so this is why the word addiction was used. It's yeah. like we are, we are being fed this thing for so long sure. that we've become dependent on it. Yeah. Because it's what keeps us going, it's what makes money, it's what people even keep saying, it's job creation. Apparently negativity is job creation. Imagine Absolutely. that. Absolutely, yeah. What we also need is not just sharing the good news. Yeah. It's sharing what's normal out there. Yes. So for people to consume that becomes monetizable and sustainable so more people do it. Absolutely. How yeah. would you monetize good news? That's the question to you, Mongezi. How you would monetize good news is how Brett monetizes good news. His name is Brett. 
of the good news guy. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's how Brett monetizes good news, right? You find good news stories to share. Okay, no, not that direction. Um, you find good news stories. Mongesi, just want to yeah. add there, Mongesi didn't want to go in that direction because there's a couple just kissing away very, very, very sort of uh, passionately and we don't want to disturb that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all about good news, so yeah, I, I so believe that's good so news. So let them have their good let, news. Let them have their good news, don't disturb them. Yeah. Instead, let's go look at this couple in yeah. front of us who are trying to cross the bridge, you might fall over. Let's watch what happens. They're not going to fall over. <laughs> yeah, so, so I think... How I think how you monetize good news mm. is how someone like Brett monetizes good news, right? Like you find ways of collaborating with people, brands, and spaces that want to share as much of the good news. The same way that brands have collaborated with other mainstream platforms that share bad news. So you do the same, but you do it behind good news. You do it behind positive stories. You do it behind the kinds of positive stories that you share on this podcast. You do it behind the kinds of positive stories that, you know, someone like Iliwit Kipchoge becoming the fastest, the fastest marathoner alive does it, right? So, so that's, that's how you do it. A friend of mine once told me, if you're seeing bad news, mm. it's because you're making the choice to see bad news. You're making the choice because you want to reinforce the bias that's within you. Identify the bias, <laughs> whether it's racism, xenophobia, <laughs> whether it's sexism, whatever it is. Yeah. Be self-aware yeah. as to why is it that you are seeing this piece of content? Why are you negatively affected by it? Yeah. In fact, the question is, why does it trigger you? If yeah. it triggers you, ask yourself what happened within you, whether it's through childhood or whether yeah. it's through self-realization and awareness, yeah. what is making you react to this in that way? If people took the time yeah. to understand themselves, whether it's childhood trauma to yeah. whatever might have happened in adulthood, yeah. It's the reason no, why we are triggered. I mean, why do you think we are so triggered by police violence? Remember the time when, when um, there was all this footage of police, um, what were they doing? They were shooting unarmed black men. Yeah. And they were arresting for no reason. They were getting thrown in no, jail and convicted. I, I, so, 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 I mean, so there's a couple of things there. I think I don't agree with the notion that you see bad things because see bad news because you choose to necessarily like yes be self-aware absolutely but the bad things bad things and bad news that happens out there happens quite a lot what we then of course need to do is surround ourselves with enough of the good so that we know that the bad things out there are happening and for me the biggest one of the biggest reasons, and there are many reasons behind why um, police violence is such a significant thing, especially given even our history as South Africa. The history of you know, South Africa is that there were people, and this was largely racial, there were people, more so black people, who were targeted, attacked, and, and, and killed by police officers. The same thing is happening today in 2022 um, 
and it's amplified a lot in the US. And it's because these are people who are supposed to to serve, to protect, to, 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 to be of service. But they're actually targeting people and targeting people by race to, for, for, you know, and killing them basically. Yeah. Without, without, without even, without even euphemizing that or, or, or buffering it. So, so it's because, so if you see all of that bad, of course it's it's triggering because then where are you safe? You're not safe from crime, from criminals, because those who are supposed to protect you are now also the criminals or are also committing crimes against you and against your kind. And if you are, you know, a, a, a young boy or young woman of a certain race who sees a police officer, you don't know whether you are safe or not. It's and for me, I think there's a, there's a, there are ways in which we sanitize the world for ourselves with our own, call it, thinking and views to say, if you see bad things, then think about why you're seeing bad things. But actually, there's a whole lot of terrible things that are happening to people out there. You know, there's, there's, <laughs> we, we are, we are at a point where the poor are getting poorer and we are not finding ways or creating ways as societies to to improve that situation but that's what i mean yeah is that we are choosing to see in the sense we are seeing the news of the rich getting richer and poorer getting poorer sure we are seeing the inequalities widening but at the yeah. same time if you look at it from a long-term perspective of humanity in the last hundred years yeah we have come so far i mean if you look at what we have today and how we live based on how, based on the lives that humans had 100 years sure, ago, sure. people used to live on average like 30 years or something, you yeah. know? But now look where we are. So there is improvements that we can celebrate yeah. and use that to leverage and say we can do better. We can no, do, I ag I ag but, no, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. Oh, I just want to I just want to just uh, interject and say that's the first time he's agreed on, on the show. <laughs> yes, we've disagreed with this since the beginning of the show. First time, finally, I've got Mongezi to yeah. agree. Okay. I mean, I agree on that. I agree on that particular sentiment, right? Yeah. I agree that as humanity, we've come very far in the last hundred years or last thousand years, whatever. We've come very far as humanity. We've made marked improvements in some in some spaces. So if you look at it, if you look at it in extremes, the one in the one extreme, we've made huge strides in making things better, in making the world a better place, in improving things, in enriching um people and on the other extreme we are we've done poorly in improving the lives of those who are have nots we've done poorly in improving in 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 saving and improving the planet we've done so so there are things that if you look at anything that you've done great at there's an extreme that we've done poorly at yeah. for the same reason yeah. and one of the things that we've done poorly at and we need to absolutely improve in is in making the lives of people better <laughs> improving mm. the lives of people and ensuring that we share the pie with more and more people mm. given that we have 
so much technology, given that technology enhances our lives, given that with the enhancements that come as a result of technology, it's now become easier to make a living by the very same technology, right? So, so why is it then that we, uh, we have, that we've made those strides, but while making those strides, we keep it closed to a certain group and exclude others? Right? I get it, okay, yeah. all right. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is, or at least from some of the things I've been learning is, reason why things happen badly is that we are not aware that it's happening yeah. because we grow up in such an environment of normalcy. Sure. Like, you know, if you, do you think kids who grow up in the Klux Klux Klan, they know that they're in the Klux Klux Klan? They do. Do they actually know? They absolutely do. But why are they still there in it? Because it's their, it's, 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 it's their reality perhaps, and perhaps a reality that isn't easy for them to come out of because if you believe something to be right, no matter how wrong it is, something has to happen in your mind for that switch to flick, for you to realize that it is, it is, it is wrong, barbaric, and, and you should stop it and change it. It's like, do people who smoke know that smoking is bad for them? They do, but it's hard to stop. Yeah. But is that an excuse or is that a real reason that they can't stop? It depends where you look at it from, but it's a bit of both. Um, it's a bit of both. I mean, you, you, you could say it's an excuse if you don't smoke, but I smoked for many years and I know that I wanted to put that cigarette down, but I couldn't until I stopped. It wasn't easy. Were you a smoker before? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, okay. So you're speaking from experience. So you know <laughs> what it's like, you see. Mongezi is not giving me silly examples. He's giving me real examples of being through the process of changing something yeah. because he... But the thing is, you've been smoking. There must have been a point where you were smoking where it was just normal to smoke. You must have been living through a point where you were just smoking like it was just normal. When you had a realization, you know what? Sure. This is actually not great. Sure. That is not the issue. See, yeah. people do know that. Yeah. There's a point where people realize this is a problem. Absolutely. I need to make a change and then they do small little incremental steps then years later, change happens. Yes. The problem is this is the initiation point uh -huh. where there's the realization yes. that you are doing something wrong or you are sure. in the wrong place. Sure. That is what I believe is not happening with people who are in the Trust clan who are still there. People who do make that realization. Oh, they, they, they know. No, 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 no. I, I think they know. I think, I think that point of initiation that that initial point has happened they know because because we live i mean we live in a world where every race every culture every background is represented so you can't ah, live in the world and not that, see that but i think because you're seeing them through your eyes what if i honestly think what if they're growing up in a what's known as an echo chamber where they are simply being reinforced with information where everything Everything around them that's not them yeah. is the worst thing to happen in the universe. And therefore, they get reinforced constantly, even with abuse as well. Yeah. So that if they do question it, they get put down. No, I don't. So, 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 
I don't think that in the kind of world that we live in today, with the kinds of technology that we have and the kinds of access to media that we have, that as a person, you can switch on a TV, go to the internet, <laughs> check social media, consume any kind of content anywhere and not realize that a lack of representation, resenting people, uh, resenting people for their race, mm. their background, and not know that that is wrong. I don't believe that to be true. But you see, there's been some research done sure. through a lot of these news, not the news organization, but uh, mm. independent journalism, some of the you know, reputable organizations to ask, why do people stay in where they are? Yeah. Why do people vote the way they do? Sure. Why do people make choices the way they do? Sure. And they found out that through a lot of research and deep understanding, a lot of the people that we think should have access to information, 99% yeah. of them are seeing information that we never see. 99% sure. of them are getting exposed to, let's say, Fox News. Sure. That reinforces their negative beliefs of immigration, for example. Absolutely. And that is also a fundamental <clears throat> problem. It means the news, they're being, it's the word is silo. They're being siloed in through an echo chamber. And so, that's, what, that's what we can't I, break I, into. I, so so I, 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 I partly agree there, right? Oh no, I, I, did, a show, agree. I did a show where Mongesi <laughs> finally just agrees with me you know, and we can I, just <laughs> go on yeah. and eat in peace, but no, he wants yeah. to disagree. Okay, I no, partly no, agree kidding. with you there. Carry on, right? yeah, tell I me. partly agree. So, so, so I agree to the point that we are all, in one way or another, stuck in our own little echo chambers. In one way or another, there's a way that we think in this direction or that. There's a way that we approach the world in this way or that way because of our own beliefs, because of our background, all of these things that form, that form our, our human experience. True. Even in that, even in that, you don't ever walk around in the world and not see one black, colored, brown, whatever race person doing good and or bad. You, 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 you see both, you see both realities. If you, are a, if you are a human being living in the world today. So I did some digging on this, yeah. okay? So there's something called objective reality. Sure. Objective reality is the world that exists beyond human existence. Sure. Like your weather, gravity, the birds, the animals, the trees, uh, the yeah. fact that it rains here or not. Yeah. That's an objective reality, no matter what influence or thought process you have. Yes. Okay. Then there's shared reality. Sure. Shared reality is the reality that we share amongst one another. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you experience what I experience. Yeah. And you experience what they experience. Sure. Which means that I ingest experiences because of what I'm seeing you do. Yes. And vice versa. Sure. Last one is what's known as personal reality. Yes. It's the reality of the world that you see through your eyes. Absolutely. That's why even though the world could be object objectively the same. Yeah, you have your own lens to it. One person is living an amazing life, living in luxury, yeah. while the other one's living in poverty, living under the same roof. Yes. You know, so to speak. 
And I think what you are alluding to is that the shared reality, the personal reality interacting with the shared reality yes. is defining the fact that we are choosing, quote unquote, choosing to see crime being committed all the time. Yes. So you keep complaining about crime yes. or the other person's shared reality, they're seeing no crime at all. Yes. And they're living this other luxurious paradise. If your personal reality is formed by these realities that you've just shared, right? It's formed partly by this. There are amazing dogs. Um, there are dogs walking around, running around yeah. in the park. Yeah, and also dogs that are barking at black people. Oh yeah, I know. It's and just they ironic. They haven't barked at anyone else. Yes, so it's just far. ironic, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this is the, the the merger of the objective and shared reality taking place right in front of us. Yes, exactly. Um, so. The point is, for you to get to this shared, re this personal reality that you live in, there's a combination of these layers that you've just described. And in the combination of these layers that you've just described, as a sane, let me not use that word, as a person living objectively in the world, you see all the layers. And if you see all the layers, why is it then that your reality only lives and thrives and is expressed in one that targets a certain race, background, creed, religion as the enemy? Right. That's where the shared reality comes in. Your personal reality is experiencing the shared reality. See, the people who segregate are based on race, based on, well, whatever othering, as it's called, yeah. right? Whether it's sexism, xenophobia, what have you. Very often happens because it happens, starts in the family. You grow up as a kid not knowing any better. And if both your parents and family and cousin and uncle and aunt and your grandparents, yeah. when you meet and all they talk about is how bad the country is because of what is happening with the current government or yeah. people yeah. or any race that you want to fill in, you are going to believe that that is why it's been happening. Yeah. You are not going to ask the question, are you sure that's right, until you're much older and had the opportunity and privilege to experience a different shared reality, yeah. to at least adjust to your personal reality a little bit. Yes. In fact, the person I was talking about who was writing his book, yeah. who is from a very conservative Afrikaans Christian family, he told me that growing up in such family, we learn of this in the church. They've learned to hate people because they meet others in church. Uh, here's the, the kicker, the point of difference that I bring into that is that you come from that reality, absolutely. And you have adults who reinforce that reality. Okay, you then also see a reality around you, which forms a layer of your worldview. And in these things forming, forming your worldview, there's a part that you choose as the one silo or pillar that form or look at the world from that through that lens is a choice. And then we're coming back to the first part is that when we see bad news, when we experience certain things happening around us, because of the experience of our shared reality, sure, we are making the choice to see that because it's been reinforced through childhood. I spoke to a very experienced doctor, a psychologist, and I asked him, why is it that it took me so long to realize that my parents had this much impact in my life? Yeah. Or my friends who made me think that this is how you should be doing things. Sure. When in fact, early in my 40s, I realized yeah. that this is 
actually my real me. Yeah. My content creation world started to open up. Absolutely. My creative photography, film, all of that stuff. That's why I used to be in a very technical world because yes. I did that because that's what you're supposed to do. My mm. shared reality. Sure told my personal reality, that's what you should be doing mm -hmm. in that field because that's where I grew up. Sure. And society around me said, a good boy does that. Yes. And I'll give you another example. I once, when I was a kid, I went to the zoo. Yeah. And That's saw, nice. Always nice to go to the zoo as a kid. I know, right? Did you go a lot? I, I went a lot, so I enjoyed that. Yeah. But there's one... What was your favorite animal? Oh, my favorite animal was the whale. And I'll tell you a story about the whale. But they weren't at the zoo though, you don't get those at the zoo. No, they were like not, not yeah. really zoo, it's like, you know, out in the protected zones, natural habitats. Yeah. Yeah. So when I went there, there was a guy scrubbing the whale. Yes. Like he was busy cleaning it and yeah. it was like a, looked like a European white guy who was yeah. probably doing some vac uh, vacation work, sure. you know, and he's there doing his thing. I asked my dad, how do you get that job? Yes. How do you get to scrub whales? Yeah. You know what my dad said? Yeah. He said, Indian people don't do that. Why do people do that? <laughs> Why do people have those jobs? What yeah. we do is we work, we make our money, we become sure. doctors and engineers. Yes. And it, and it was at that point I had a realization when I was that young. Yeah. That can't be true. Yeah. That cannot be reality. Sure. Are you telling me that this is the world I'm supposed to live yes, in? Yes, yes. So is, even yeah. at that young age, I did realize it. You are, you, you are coming to this point then, that at any point in your life, any within any reality that you live mm. there are turning points mm. choices big and small that take place in that reality in your reality in whatever space mm. there are choices there are triggers there are turning points there are all these things that happen and that one happened to you as a kid you still made the choice to go more in a technical field than than a non-technical one and you went into a non-technical field as you went right yeah. so so you still made that choice so this is to the point about to me about people seeing themselves uh, people being supremacist and being people seeing themselves as superior to others by because of some marker that they choose to see themselves superior using. That even in that, there are choices that have to be, that you make and steps in these choices that keep evolving over time. And yours evolved into a place where you came out of a tech field into the content creator space. In fact, the psychologist that I spoke to and I asked, I saw this happen with the whales. Yeah. And I made a choice, or not really, I subconsciously made the choice to ignore it because I listened to my shared reality and said, no, no, that's not something we do. Sure. We don't worry about that, we go on to our lives. Then I asked the question, why did it take me so long yeah. to make the choice to be myself mm -hmm. when, I, when I was about 40 years old? Yeah. Why did it happen so late? And the psychologist said, this happens because you don't know what reality you're in until you know better. Yeah. You don't know, you are making choices because you believe it to be mm. right. Yeah. You believe that is what the reality is supposed to be. Anything outside that is wrong. Sure. Meaning someone scrubbing the whale yeah. is not for us, so to speak. And this is where it comes down to. When yeah. you're in that, yeah. when you're in that circle, yeah. you don't know that you are in that bubble. Yeah. And that's what like, my conclusion was. There are people who subconsciously know that what the Klux Klux Klan is. Yeah. But they are staying there because they don't really, really consciously know or are aware of what really is. Yeah, except, except there's, 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 also, there's also the part that making a change is hard. Some people, most people, 
would rather not make the change. In fact, most of us, probably even you and I, are among people who actually haven't made a big change from who we were to who we are today. In as much as we've made many changes that make us different from who our parents were or who our parents raised us to be. But we haven't made the kind of change that took us into a completely different field and frame of reference. It's because that's hard, right? Mm. So people choose to kind of stay where they are and make incremental changes slowly, but by they, they don't but, but they don't get to a point where they've changed significantly over time at any point in their lives. And the conclusion here is we don't know what we don't know until we actually experience it. And one of the things the psychologist also mentioned and I asked, why is it then the change actually happened? It's because you hit a brick wall. Yeah. You're going along, ignoring it, and then it, you, you really hit a brick wall. Yeah. Uh, either it could happen in the form of depression, sure. um, relationships, it could happen where your jobs suck, um, you start to do things, uh, or you start to have dependency issues. Mm. Uh, a lot of people go into alcoholism and things like that, yeah. right? That's the brick wall that tells you something is really wrong. Yes, and then you turn around. And then you turn around. But you make the choice to do it. The people who make the choice can. I really honestly believe there's two areas here. One, people don't know what they don't know. Sure. And number two, people making conscious choices to stay in it because they want to, to hate. Mm. They want to do it because it reinforces their bias and they rather hate than do the extra hard work. There's also people choosing to be ignorant of others because it serves whatever narrative they hold. Correct. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I've learned a lot from VJ. Yes, once because again. he's pushing me because he needs to get his hair cut. <laughs> he really needs to get his hair cut. So he's like, come on now. <laughs> okay, so his shared reality is changing from my shared reality. Yeah, shared we're no longer sharing realities now. Yeah. It's all personal it's realities. It's now personal realities are diverting because yeah. now he wants to go to his hair cut. Yeah. I need to go home. <laughs> all right, guys, but thank you so much. Mangezi, thank you so much for no, joining thank me. You. Thank you. Thank you. Very, thank you very much for having me. It's been a great, yeah, a great time disagreeing with you and I think uh, of course reforming my reality as well and rethinking some of the things that I've thought about and congratulations to you on growing tech comedy life. You know it's, it's it was the most I must say it's the most random thing I ever did in fact it's even a very random name mm. tech comedy life yeah but it's actually gone, grown into a animal that I'm quite proud of yeah and and I enjoy and, and your comedy has improved since. It has, I think. Yeah, I've loved I've laughed very many times. I think this is the first time that I've laughed so much around you. Oh my so, goodness, that's so good your, yeah. So so mm. so the comedy part of the tech comedy life is really improved. Okay, because I noticed because less people now leave when I talk, so that's yeah. good. That's actually really good news. All right. So thanks so much and we will uh, tune in next time when Mongezi and I chat on his channel when we talk on his terms on the lead creative. Yeah. I will leave a link and the podcast so you can check out his work as well. He's a great podcaster, growing into a content creator to be proud of in the country. Thanks so much, Mungi. Awesome, thanks, Vijay.